This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, March 17th. A fire seriously damaged a home Wednesday afternoon. Several local fire departments responded to a first alarm residential fire on Highway TT. Upon arrival, firefighters found heavy smoke and fire conditions coming from the home. Firefighters got the blaze under control, but the structure had heavy damage. No injuries were reported. A Ullman woman was seriously injured in a crash Tuesday on Route C. 59-year-old Mary Jensen was driving when the patrol says she made a U-turn. Jensen's vehicle was hit by a Jeep Wrangler driven by 54-year-old Vincent Groniger. The Jeep overturned and traveled off the right side of the road. A passenger, 52-year-old Janet Groniger, had serious injuries and was taken by MU Air to University Hospital in Columbia. Happy St. Patrick's Day, and if you want to celebrate the holiday with a parade, you're in luck. The annual Lake of the Ozarks St. Patrick's Day Parade is tomorrow at 1 in the afternoon on the historic Bagdell Dam Strip. Don't forget your green. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. The big dance is off and running. College basketball's big NCAA tournament, Mizzou. They picked up their win in the first round yesterday to improve to 25 and 8 on the season. They beat Utah State 76-65. Tigers actually trailed in the second half, but they pulled away late. So Mizzou will take on big upset survivor Princeton in the second round on Saturday. The 15-seed Princeton team pulling off a huge upset, knocking off number two seed Arizona in that south region. Another huge upset yesterday saw Furman hit a last-second shot to beat number four seed Virginia. That's also in the south region. A couple of huge upsets, Princeton and Furman winning yesterday. Number one seeds Kansas, Houston, Alabama all won yesterday. Number one seed Purdue will play today. Houston, by the way, barely won last night, and they've got some injury trouble, so that number one seed might not last uh, for too long. Also, Kansas coach Bill Self missed the Jayhawks' first game. That was a win over Howard. Self experienced some chest pains and dizziness last week and was hospitalized. He's out of the hospital. 
but not quite ready to join the team yet. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. High school baseball season starting this week. In fact, today, Camdenton will play their first game against Eldon. Monday, Osage will be at Iberia. Next Tuesday, Versailles will be home to California to start the season. High school basketball, classes 4, 5, and 6, playing their state Final Fours this weekend. Class 4 will play the Boys and Girls State Championship games today. Semifinals in Class 5 and 6. Classes 5 and 6 will play their championship games tomorrow. And spring training, of course, continuing for the Cards and the Royals this weekend. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows, including Weekend at the Lake. It's back to let you know what's happening around the lake on the weekends now. Check that out on Lake TV. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. A portion of the programming on Key Radio is brought to you by our media partners at Lake TV. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, Lake TV's got it all, including five local talk shows to keep you informed and entertained. You can also see local high school football in the fall and basketball in the winter. Watch Lake TV on Como Channel 90 or absolutely free on Roku or Amazon Fire and always streaming live at MyLakeTV.com. And if you haven't liked Lake TV on Facebook, be sure you do that too. Key Radio K-E-Y-K keeps you in the know. What better way to spend the day than the 39th Annual Lake of the Ozarks St. Patrick's Day Parade? Come to the historic Bagnell Dam Strip at Lake of the Ozarks Saturday, March 18th at 1 p.m. Grab the lawn chairs for an afternoon of family fun, watching the various floats, cars, motorcycles, and even boats as they make their trip along the Strip. That's the St. Patrick's Day Parade, March 18th at Bagnell Dam. Key Radio is a non-profit radio station that works with local residents in the Lake of the Ozarks community. Our goal is to provide a positive platform for content that addresses a variety of topics while also giving people the opportunity to find out more about what's going on in our own backyard. Key Radio uses donations to bring you all of the information. So if you like what you hear and you'd like to help us continue our mission, please reach out to us at keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio. Businesses, individuals, and content providers power the programming that you hear on Key Radio. To inquire about making your tax-deductible donation, go to keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio or call 573-280-0532. 573-280-0532. You're listening to 89.3, The Key.
If you've got a topic you'd like to share with the community, contact us right here at 89.3, The Key. I got to tell you, folks, it is great. I mean, just Jim Dandy to be back with you today. And I am so happy to be here. And I first want to start this uh, Friday edition of The Daily Show by saying thank you to each and every one of you for the kind words, for the prayers, for the thoughts, the good vibes, good karma for my mom. Mom, uh, if you have not heard, took a fall on Monday, ended up in DePaul Hospital, and uh, they did some x-rays on her. She had a fractured left femur. And that is right below mom's hip replacement. So uh, there was a uh, a bit of a conference on when uh, she might be able to get in and get that all taken care of. They took her into surgery yesterday. Uh, everything went well as far as I know. Been in touch. I've been in touch with my sister Carol, and uh, mom is uh, doing just uh, just great right now. That's what I know as of eight oh nine a.m. on Friday. March the 17th, 2023, but uh, she's doing well. And again, I just can't say enough about all of the uh, great things that you folks had to say. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. So let us move ahead on this St. Patrick's Day. And a happy St. Patrick's to each and every one of you uh, right now. We are at uh, 27 degrees in Osage Beach, 45 the high. Sunny and a few clouds this afternoon, a few clouds in 21, the low tonight, and just darn cold for tomorrow. But plenty of sunshine. Sunny and 32 degrees is where we will be for your Saturday. If you're planning on going to the St. Patty's Day Parade in Lake Ozark, it's going to be a little chilly, so bundle up. Sunny and 43 on Sunday. Sunshine 57 now on Monday, and uh, we'll see some rain possibly about a 50-50 shot on Tuesday and a high of 53. Morning showers possible on Wednesday, about a 30% chance and a high of 68. Scattered showers and thunderstorms next Thursday, a high of 68. And then showers and 59 for Friday. Rain chances on Thursday and Friday, about 60%. So we'll start to get into that uh, spring rain, which makes all the sense in the world as to why they lower the lake level at Bagnell Dam, which is currently at 654.3, by the way. River level of 554.05, surface water temp at 43 degrees. It is just a great day to be alive and live at the lake. Thank you, God, for this wonderful day. Thank you for allowing me and all of these wonderful listeners to be a part of it. And uh, I will tell you that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, Dave Maupin will join us with his journey as he takes us among the dogwoods. Also, Marlena Hatmaker will join us at 840. We'll get a historic Brumley Bridge update right now. It's great to have her back, but in a bit of a different capacity. We are going to start this uh, Friday edition of The Daily Show with a conversation with Miss Bev Allen, who is a member of the Missouri Republican County Committee Chair Association, and she joins us on The Daily Show right here, right now. Bev, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you, KB? I'm doing just great. And uh, how are you this morning? Well, doing great. The sun is shining. It is going to be cold, finishing up spring break with winter degrees. But I know it's beautiful there at the lake as well. It certainly is, and hopefully you get a chance to come down here and see us at the lake. And if you do, 
we want to get you into the studio here at SRG Financial Advisors so you can be on the Daily Show with us live and in person one of these uh, one of these Fridays if we get the opportunity. You and I are going to discuss the Missouri Kids First Rally, which is going to be on Monday, this Monday, coming up, March the 20th. And the uh, uh, sub-subject, as I see here, is stop the medical transitioning of our kids. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that this morning. Yes, uh, I'm really excited. Well, um, I'm sure most of your listeners understand what's been going on at the Capitol regarding Senate Bill 49, which is the SAFE Act, which is requiring the prohibition of uh, medical transitioning um, for minors. And that's really just individuals under the age of 18. Um, and the push, this is the fourth year that Senator Moon has filed such a bill. And we've had several other senators this year file um, the same wording and such because this has become a Republican priority even in the Senate. Um, I understand that back last fall when they got together, they named one of their priorities would be getting this over the finish line. Mm -hmm. And they also understood that they needed to get it over the finish line by spring break so they could get over to the House. And, and get it all done by, oh, my gosh, I think May 14th is the last day of session. I haven't looked that up yet, but it's that um, Friday in May. Anyway, um, so what happened is they brought Senate Bill 49 up on the floor on Wednesday, um, the day before spring break was to start, to start perfecting it, which is the debate or whatever, and the Democrats started filibustering it. Then after a few hours of filibustering, you know, maybe three hours, the Republican caucus took a vote whether they should continue to filibuster through the night and finish the job before they left for spring break or break, um, go ahead and um, um, end, uh, I shouldn't say end, lay, lay Senate Bill 49 over and pick it up again when they come back from spring break. Well, 14 of the Republican caucus voted to lay it over and um, 10 um, signed, you know, voted to, to stay the course and finish the job before they left for spring break. So when floor leader Cynthia Lawson came back, she adjourned, adjourned, you know, many were caught, you know, they thought they were just going to go to other business, but she adjourned for spring break. So actually the Senate got out a day early for spring break, but they are to bring back Cynthia Laughlin, the floor leader, you know, we, said she'll be bringing back Senate Bill 49 on Monday, March 20th, when they return from spring break. So we are asking everybody to come to the Capitol uh, for the rally, um, for the Missouri Kids First Rally at 2 o'clock in the first floor rotunda. Um, that's going to be a, a great rally. and We're going to have people from across the spectrum because Scott Nugent, who is a transgender person who actually testified in the hearing um, several weeks ago um, for Senate Bill 49 and was escorted out of the hearing because Scott continued to shame the senators for not taking action. And so Scott will be back because Scott, even though Scott is a transgender, is against, um, Scott didn't, trans, didn't transition until she was 42. So, um, so Scott is um, against minors making these ir, um, irreversible um, decisions 
when they're under 18. And then we're going to have basic and groomers there as well. And so we're going to have a um, whole spectrum. We need the people to be there because after the 2 o'clock rally and the, then the eight senators who signed um, to stay, stay the course on Monday will um, are going to be speaking. And then at 345, we're going to um, go up to the third floor so they can greet the senators as they go into the chambers. And then we'll go up to the gallery at 4 o'clock to watch the filibuster. And so uh, we're asking people to come at two and stay as long as they can because we do want to encourage the Republicans to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, many times they get a little bit cold feet, and um, we have, you know, God even gave us the gift of that whistleblower in Washington University. Right. <laughs> um, right. um, and so it's like, how easy can we have it? We have every reason to pass this bill this year, joining the other states that are already passing the bill and are passing it this year to protect the children. And at 11.30 to 12.30, there'll be a prayer and praise rally. Um, so if you can come then and join us, you know, because until uh, God moves, um, he's, you know, we, like, I, I appreciate what you said, you know, a few minutes ago that we really, um, this is, um, you know, the, the fight never changes. It's good versus evil, God versus the enemy. It's, it's um, um, the enemy of, of the family, the enemy of the individual is at work in many different ways and convincing young people that they're um, not happy in their own the body that God created them, you know, and, and um, is is just part of part of the assault. So now, anyway, it'll um, be a good time. I was just going to say there there are statistics, there are proven statistics that that, that people who get a surgery. To, tra- to, to physically change what gender they are, end up regretting it later in life. And depending on, I guess, the degree to which you go, um, there's no turning back. And a lot of people, from what I've heard and what I've read and the statistics that I've seen, uh, they fall into a pretty heavy depression when they realize that uh, – you know, maybe we made a mistake here. Uh, maybe there's something that uh, we should have uh, been thinking about before we went ahead with this because uh, after getting this su- uh, surgery done, they regret it. And, you know, not I'm sure not everyone does, but I would imagine a good uh, portion of these folks do. And that's what I've read in a couple of different articles. There was a gentleman uh, in particular that actually um, – uh, went as far as uh, committing suicide because he became so depressed after he had changed from uh, being a man to a woman. And uh, from what I, uh, again, gather in all of the things that I've seen here, uh, there are a number of people that uh, just uh, regret it uh, completely and totally. And then it's one of those things where, you know, it's kind of tough to go back on it once uh Uh, Certain changes are made once that surgery is completed. So, you know, maybe there is uh, a a lot of influence being put forth to our children in order to get them to make decisions at an early age that, uh, of course, being very impressionable as they are, they can't uh, really figure out what it is that they want to do because they're they're young. They don't have the experience. They don't have uh, the ability to maybe talk to someone or uh, to 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 read the articles that are out there about people who regret making the decision that they've made at some point. And so I think it's it's important early on to 
to let kids know that, you know, there's two sides to every story. And so if folks want to try and get them to uh, take these puberty blockers or if they are trying to get these kids to say, well, you know, I'm a boy trapped in a a, a girl's body or a girl trapped in a boy's body, whatever, you know, uh, however you want to look at it, um, uh, it, 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 it's just amazing that we use kids uh, the way we do on this level to further, uh, or, or we don't use them, but other people use them to further their own agenda. I mean, that's essentially what we're looking at. I mean, there, and, and, and once you read a little bit more about it, uh, certainly the thought uh, kind of falls into place where, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about trying to control the population, and, and there's so many other things that come along with this. But uh, the main thing is, is children, you know, they aren't... Um, they aren't something that we can experiment on. They're, that's not why they were put on this earth. And, and, and we don't have children to essentially say, well, uh, you were born a boy, but uh, do you feel as though maybe you'd be more comfortable as a girl? And all the other things that come along with that. And we talk about things, and I believe we talked about this with uh, Jill Carter last Friday, about some of these schools that offer changing rooms for kids that if a boy wants to come in and dress like a girl, they can go in, they can change their clothes, and uh, and nobody tells their parents. I mean, how in the world do you even get away with something like that? Well, there's that constant um, attempt to divide the children from their parents, and this sure. is just one more aspect of it. And you're right. In fact, I was just listening to the testimony of a young lady um, who, um, actually, she didn't start medically, she started socially transitioning when she was 17. She didn't start medical transition until she was 18, had her breasts removed, I think, when she was 19, and almost immediately when she was, you know, she started detransitioning because she realized she'd made a mistake, She, you know, and she was, um, and then she, her testimony then, even after she trans, de-trans, started detransitioning, she found Jesus Christ. And so she's, um, you know, um, full, full in him, but she still has to suffer these consequences of these decisions she made in short time. You know, I, as you were speaking, I was thinking about, you know, they, they talk about gender affirming. And I thought, oh, my goodness, they even, they even stole that. From us because gender affirming, we should be the ones affirming these individuals in the um, in the sex in the body that God created them. But they, the other side, has um, taken that um, phrase and called it gender affirming, so that individuals who are questioning um, are you know so these people they're there to affirm them in their my their mental issues. And um, so that that's it. She felt affirmed. She was having these questions in her mind um, that were placed there by different things in her life. And so she was being affirmed by a group of people that were telling her, yes, yes, go for it. You know, you're in the wrong body. And um, so anyway, so that's where, and then as far as the parents are concerned, you know, I don't fault any of the parents because when their child does come to them with uh, with these doubts about who they are, then and they reach out to the experts, the professionals, if you will, the medical system pretty much has adopted this gender-affirming care. Um, I don't understand this because um, when it's a mental issue, just as a person with, you know, we always go to the anorexia because that is such a prevalent thing in young girls. And when they think that they're 
fat, even though they're 85 pounds, um, we don't um, help them with losing weight. We help them get their mind straight too, so that they can see who they are. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? So we just, this is the only mental condition that we step in and offer drugs and surgery to, um, to correct. Um, it's, it's sad, like you said. And, for, and so this is just for minors because we know, I and mean, we have so many other laws protecting minors. You know, they can't, they can't drink, they can't smoke, they mm. can't uh, join the army, they, they can't vote, thankfully. And, and uh, we have all these, they can't even take a tan. I think, they, I think the parents have to sign on for them to go to a tanning salon mm-hmm. if they're under 18. So it's just, we make all these decisions already for them. This is a real a decision that the other side likes to say we're intruding, but it's just protecting them. What oh, and then 80%, 80 to 90% of the children who are experiencing these doubts grow out of them. You know, they, they do find who they are, and, um, and they are grateful that they didn't take steps that are irreversible. You know, I think we can all look back to when we were in school, whether it was grade school, middle school, junior high, high school, and say we all did things at the time that we thought were cool. And uh, <laughs> yeah. what we were doing is just kind of following the crowd. It was popular at that particular time, you know, and it could be any number of things, the way you wear your hair, the way you dress, whatever, uh, certain activities that you participate in, social media, whatever is the fad. But fortunately, we were, you know, at a point where we were young, we were impressionable, and as we grew up, we realized that, that's not really the way we want to live. And there were probably people along the way that told us what we were doing was wrong, but we were young. We were trying to kind of buck the system a little bit. We were trying to stand up and make a name for ourselves. And well, sometimes parents got involved. Other times they just kind of let it go and uh, let the whole uh, process play out. But Again, this is something, this isn't a fad. This isn't something that kind of comes and goes. If you start a child on this path at such an early age and they feel at some point more or less like this is what they want to do and they go through with things, and as I said earlier, a lot of these people end up regretting the decisions that they made and there's really not a whole lot that they can do with it, uh, do about it. But that's a great point. You just made a great point that I hadn't really heard anybody make before because, you know, as a teenager especially, um, we can be pretty um, sure of ourselves and insistent and rebellious and angry and and make life miserable for our parents. So when a child is convinced, a teenager is convinced that they're in the wrong body, they can make life pretty miserable there at home. And Mm -hmm. they they are sure of themselves at that point. So that's why parents are there to help them. (laughs) And while law is there to prevent them from doing something that they most likely will regret later. It's very true. And and also, you know, we have to worry and uh, apparently watch very closely what goes on in our schools these days. And a, a lot of times parents just automatically assume that their child is going to school and that they're learning about the things they need to learn about in order to uh, uh, be productive later on in life. And there are other things that they're slipping in in front of the kids that maybe the parents don't know a whole lot about. So 
In addition to what's going on on Monday the 20th, I would also encourage parents to get more involved in their child's education. You don't have to go crazy with it if you don't want to, but school essentially is not a babysitting service, and it's not just dropping your kid off in the morning and picking them up in the afternoon or what have you. You need to maybe take a look in the textbook once in a while or ask the kids what they're learning and have them uh, take a little time to explain it to you. And if you have issues or you have problems, obviously you can contact the administration. You can talk to people that are involved in your school board. Heck, we've got local school board elections coming up uh, on April the 4th. But the whole point of this is is to make sure that we're not just letting our kids slip through the cracks. I know kids want to be kids, and I know that they want to assume their own identities at a young age, but they still need the guidance of mom and dad, and that is where this all starts with the mother and the father, depending on the situation. And there are obviously single-parent homes, but the whole fact of the matter is is parents need to be thoroughly involved as their kids um, are are forming opinions, as their kids are starting to determine what they want to do in life. And that's why we are there as parents, uh, to to help them out and to take them by the hand. And uh, hopefully at some point they'll get it. And when they uh, decide that they want to move on, whether it's going to a college or uh, just getting out on their own, that they'll have a uh, good system of, of morals and values and, and you know, that's all that's all we can hope for at some time and, and at some point. Well, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned the schools because and, and that's where I'm encouraged because I was at an event last night in St. Charles County that um, a couple hundred people were there because people are waking up because we we We've always trusted. We trusted the professionals, and and it's so good now that uh, because of these problems that we're seeing in public education, there are parent groups that are being formed all across the state, well, across the country. But I'm focused on Missouri, and and you're right. School board um, elections are coming up, and and last April we got many of the candidates, the parents candidates. Um, were elected, and many of them running, you know, we have even more running this year. So um, that's how you change your school district. You have to get members on the school board who know what their job is. Their job is to make decisions for the school district, not to rubber stamp with the DESE um, and the what DESE, with the Department of Ed, uh, sorry, Department of Elementary and Secondary Education mm-hmm. and the superintendent bring down and so so things are changing there so um, I actually have um, uh, on my Facebook page a list I, I've been asking um, people I know all over the state to send me names of candidates they recommend for their local school board races right. so if they want to go to my Facebook um, Bev Allen um, Facebook page they can see I, I keep that updated whenever I get new names from another person I know in Missouri I'll, I'll add that to the school district to to that page so so go there and see if your school district um, doesn't have a couple of names that are recommended by parents groups mm-hmm. that are actively involved in their in their school board in the school well Bev it's always always great to talk to you and I hope that uh, Senator Jill Carter gets uh, some traction on SB 85, which is really trying to give the schools more local control, which uh, I think is uh, so very necessary that, uh, you know, we have more of a say in what goes on and we don't have to take what trickles down from the feds down to the state. And the state sits there and determines what is best for our children, that our our local school districts get the control that uh, is necessary in order to do what we 
the taxpayers, the people who pay that personal property tax, whether you have kids involved in school or not, uh, I think there are a lot of people who still have a stake in the game. If you're paying your personal property tax, you probably want things uh, uh, to go a certain way, and you should be able to have that local control. Hey, listen, I uh, thank you so much for taking some time to join us. It's great to have you back on the air here on Key Radio, and hopefully we'll get the opportunity down the road to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Have a great day. Absolutely. Thank you. Bev Allen, she is uh, with the Missouri Republican County Committee Chair Association, and it's great to be able to talk to her again. Stick around, folks. Marlena Hatmaker is going to join us here in just a few. We'll get an update with the historic Brumley Bridge uh, group that is making every attempt possible to bring awareness and uh, collect some much-needed funds to get that bridge up and running yet again. You are listening to The Daily Show on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, March 17th. A fire seriously damaged a home Wednesday afternoon. Several local fire departments responded to a first-alarm residential fire on Highway TT. Upon arrival, firefighters found heavy smoke and fire conditions coming from the home. Firefighters got the blaze under control, but the structure had heavy damage. No injuries were reported. A Ullman woman was seriously injured in a crash Tuesday on Route C. 59-year-old Mary Jensen was driving when the patrol says she made a U-turn. Jensen's vehicle was hit by a Jeep Wrangler driven by 54-year-old Vincent Groniger. The Jeep overturned and traveled off the right side of the road. A passenger, 52-year-old Janet Groniger, had serious injuries and was taken by MU Air to University Hospital in Columbia. Happy St. Patrick's Day, and if you want to celebrate the holiday with a parade, you're in luck. The annual Lake of the Ozarks St. Patrick's Day Parade is tomorrow at 1 in the afternoon on the historic Bagdell Dam Strip. Don't forget your green. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. A portion of the programming on Key Radio is brought to you by Adair's Wildlife Removal Service, offering affordable solutions for all of your residential and commercial nuisance animal problems. Adair's keeps the wildlife where it belongs, in the wild. Serving Camden, Miller, and Morgan Counties. Online at adairs-animals.com or call 573-378-8739, 573-378-8739. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. The big dance is off and running. College basketball's big NCAA tournament, Mizzou. They picked up their win in the first round yesterday to improve to 25 and 8 on the season. They beat Utah State 76-65. Tigers actually trailed in the second half, but they pulled away late. So Mizzou will take on big upset survivor Princeton in the second round on Saturday. The 15 seed Princeton team pulling off a huge upset, knocking off number two seed Arizona 
in that south region. Another huge upset yesterday saw Furman hit a last-second shot to beat number four seed Virginia. That's also in the south region. A couple of huge upsets, Princeton and Furman winning yesterday. Number one seeds Kansas, Houston, Alabama all won yesterday. Number one seed Purdue will play today. Houston, by the way, barely won last night, and they've got some injury trouble, so that number one seed might not last uh, for too long. Also, Kansas coach Bill Self missed the Jayhawks' first game. That was a win over Howard. Self experienced some chest pains and dizziness last week and was hospitalized. He's out of the hospital, but not quite ready to join the team yet. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. High school baseball season starting this week. In fact, today, Camdenton will play their first game against Eldon. Monday, Osage will be at Iberia next Tuesday for sales will be home to California to start the season. High school basketball classes four, five, and six playing their state final fours this weekend. Class four will play the boys and girls state championship games today. Semifinals in class five and six. Classes five and six will play their championship games tomorrow. And spring training, of course, continuing for the Cards and the Royals this weekend. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows, including Weekend at the Lake. It's back to let you know what's happening around the lake on the weekends now. Check that out on Lake TV. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. We're introducing something new on Key Radio called Ozark's Voices. Express yourself anytime on the air without commitments or radio skills. Just email billm at orioncenter.org and I'll contact you about recording anything from five minutes to a half hour. We can record by phone or in my office or you can record it and send it to me. It can be a monologue or a conversation, whatever works best for you. Then I'll produce it as part of an Ozarks Voices show on Key Radio. Any topic is fine. Hobbies, comments about lake happenings, conspiracy theories, or say hi to Grandma. I'll make sure you sound great. Send a message to billm at orioncenter.org. That's B-I-L-L-M at O-R-I-O-N-C-E-N-T-E-R dot org and be a part of Ozark's Voices. This is Bill Munhausen for Creation Expo. Creationists often point out the fallacies of evolution, but there also is a positive creation theory about biology and living things. The biblical view of life is that it was designed with purpose. God created kinds of living creatures and coded each genome to allow enough variation to ensure survival during environmental changes. Every kind of creature has existed from the beginning, consistent with what scientists observe in fossils from the Cambrian explosion. In accord with the Bible's claim of distinct kinds, we expect to see living things easily classified, and they are. We expect to see similar body part features among different kinds. That similarity is not from evolutionary development, but is the result of a good engineer using features that work well for different applications. The genetic code is far more complex than any computer code designed by man. Even their ideas about junk DNA are being revised to admit functionality not previously understood. Life has been made with a purpose. These 60-second messages are based on the book... XPO by Bill Munhausen, available in Amazon Books. 
Key Radio wants to help our community by offering a platform for all groups and organizations to share their message. If you have a pre-recorded public service announcement talking about who you are and what you do, email it to kbsfree65 at gmail.com. Rotary clubs, veterans groups, animal shelters, fundraising organizations, and more are all welcome to send us their pre-recorded message. Key Radio reserves the right to deny or accept any PSAs received. Key Radio, K-E-Y-K, keeps you in the know. What better way to spend the day than the 39th Annual Lake of the Ozarks St. Patrick's Day Parade? Come to the historic Bagnell Dam Strip at Lake of the Ozarks, Saturday, March 18th at 1 p.m. Grab the lawn chairs for an afternoon of family fun, watching the various floats, cars, motorcycles, and even boats as they make their trip along the Strip. That's the St. Patrick's Day Parade, March 18th at Bagnell Dam. Positive programming provided by you on the Lakes Community Radio Station, 89.3, The Key. 839, 27 degrees now in beautiful downtown Osage Beach. We are glad to have you with us on this Friday edition of The Daily Show. We'll hit a high today of 46, sunshine, a few clouds this afternoon, partly cloudy at 21 for the Overnight low, back up to 33. That doesn't sound very warm now, does it? Uh, Sunny and 33 for that St. Patty's Day Parade tomorrow in Lake Ozark. Going to be a big time as it always is. Overnight low of around 20. Plenty of sunshine, though, so maybe that'll help make you feel warm. (laughs) And maybe some other things. But if you're going to do those other things, uh, do that in moderation, won't you please? And make sure you have a designated driver. Sunny and 43 on Sunday. Sunny and 57 Monday. Some showers possible on Tuesday, mainly in the afternoon, evening, about a 50-50 shot, 53 the high. Looks like uh, maybe some morning showers right now at about a 30% chance on Wednesday and a high of 69 degrees. 8.40 is our time, and there is a group uh, that has been together for some time now, and uh, their goal is to uh, raise awareness and raise money to save the historic Brumley Swinging Bridge. And uh, we have actually talked to one of the members of this uh, group, this organization. Her name is Marlena Hatmaker, and she is joining us this morning. And what we've asked Marlena to do is uh, to join us after they have their uh, monthly get-together, which is the third Thursday of every month, and uh, let us know what's going on and maybe how we can uh, help them out to further the cause. Marlena, good morning. It's great to have you back on Key Radio. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing just perfect. How about yourself? Doing well. It is a little brisk this morning. Little on the brisk side, I would agree with that, and uh, maybe even yes. more, uh, maybe even more so tomorrow. And now, let me ask you this before we get into the interview. I know what you do for a living. Do you have to get out there and do that today? I know. Actually, we work Monday through Thursday, so oh. I. I don't have to get all my insulated stuff on today. <laughs> well, you stay hunkered down and warm, and I'm sure everybody will uh, uh, be happier, especially all the folks that work with you doing what you do. Uh, they will certainly yes. be a, a, a lot happier and uh, feel like, uh, you know what, maybe maybe it's not a bad idea to be home on a Friday when it's uh, 27 degrees outside. So let's talk about last night's meeting, the historic swinging Brumley Bridge, the uh, meeting takes place every third Thursday of the month, and you folks get together and powwow and talk about all the things that 
that uh, you can possibly do to uh, raise awareness and raise money for that uh, very necessary bridge that we've talked about. Uh, how did things go last night? What were some of the things that you uh, you folks talked about? Uh, well, last night we had another good meeting, and uh, we actually did get an updated engineering report because for some time now they've been telling us to expect a uh, 20% increase due to inflation. And so we do have that full estimate now. And the the total now for all of the phases of the bridge is $778,400. Wow. wow. That's, so uh, that's, a, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a lot of money. That certainly is a lot of money. Yes. So you, you, you folks basically have your work cut out for you at this point. Yes, we do. And uh, we did hear from a couple of Miller County's commissioners. They are uh, speaking with Amron and Gasco Sage. As you know, last month we found out that what we thought we had was a, a $25,000 pledge from both entities. Those pledges were made verbal, and there's nothing in writing at this point that we found. So the uh, commissioners are working with both companies to see if they would be, you know, be in the area of wanting to donate towards our cause. Right. And uh, as of last night, both commissioners said they were still working on those pledges. So that is that is promising. That was a bit of a deflator as far as thinking you had the $50,000 and then no, no, you don't. So, right. <laughs> but we're right. still working on it. Well, um, you uh, you get together and you have these meetings and uh, then you powwow and put your heads together and figure out how you can make some of this uh, uh, from a dream into a reality. And I would say that uh, praying is probably not a bad thing. There's always a lot of room for prayer when it comes to something like yeah. this because you never know when you might uh, run into somebody who uh, uh, feels the need to maybe be a benefactor or help out or uh, add some money uh, to the kitty there so that you can uh, can start moving things in the right direction. And I know this is uh, a pretty huge mountain to climb, Marlena, but I have to say that I admire your efforts and the efforts of everyone involved in the uh, organization to uh, continue to fight for this bridge because we do, again, know how important it is, not just as a landmark, not just as a historic landmark that people have been coming to see for years, but this is an actual bridge that is utilized. People, you know, they would love to have it back because uh, certainly when we talk about a variety of things, if there's a need for emergency services, if there's just a need to get through the area and to save some travel time, this bridge plays a very crucial, a very vital role, if you will, in making all of these things happen. Yes. Yes. Uh, we do know of one instance where a family that uh, lived on the other side of the bridge um, they, their kids went to school the old age. Well, they were going to have to drive their kids there every day because of the bridge closure. Right. So because there was no time estimate as to how long the bridge would be closed, they actually moved so that their kids would be in the Camdenton school district Wow. versus having to figure out how to drive. Cause you have to come out the other end of Swingin' Bridges Road, which is a road there in Lynn Creek. So they would have to come out in Lynn Creek, take 54 to, uh, you know, School of the Osage. That's a, a long ways, you know, twice a day. Sure. It certainly is. No doubt about that. And I think a lot of people will uh, 
be happy. And and what's interesting, do you get a lot of feedback from the residents in and around the bridge that had utilized it prior to them having to shut it down for safety concerns? And and are any of these people on your group, do they understand, they, they obviously understand uh, the need to have this uh, as, a, as a working bridge, not just as a, as a historic landmark. And, and, and certainly you want to preserve it for future generations. But, you know, this is something that people actually need to use. So do these people reach out to legislators? Do you ask them to share their stories? Um, you know, people that are in this general vicinity of the bridge, uh, are they getting involved? Are they jumping on board with you as well? Yes, yes, we have several in the group that, of course, either have businesses in the area, live in the area, or both. And, of course, the bridge is utilized extensively to, I mean, especially during the summer months, if you want to kind of get around all the traffic that's in Osage Beach, you mm-hmm. can cut through there, definitely bypass it. Um, crappie fishing is a big thing, and a lot of the boats would put in at Carnes Bottom is what I've heard, and that is closed. Um, the state park has closed their primitive camping because, of course, the uh, state park rangers, they have to go there and check the area and check on the people generally multiple times in a day span. Right, right. And it's 45 minutes for them to drive from the state park around to these areas now. So the state park has just shut off those areas completely. Yeah. Well, and I guess to them, maybe that's a, a bit of a uh, a pinch when it comes to income that they could be making. I don't know, uh, has anybody from uh, the state park system uh, stepped in and said uh, this bridge plays a vital role, not just for the people that live in the area, but for the state park as well. And we'd love to be able to open this bridge back up so we could get the rangers in and out of there. We could get the people that want to utilize the facility in and out of there. Uh, I mean, it seems to me like there are a lot of people, when you think about it, that, you know, really need this bridge. And uh, so it would seem to me that more of these folks would want to reach out to their uh, their county uh, representatives, their state representatives. Of course, we talked to uh, Representative uh, Lisa Thomas about this, and and I, has she yeah. has she uh, gotten involved in any of this at all? Have you been able to reach out uh, to her and and uh, and talk to her about this? Uh, yes, and actually, she is one of the representatives that makes our meetings as she can. She was there last night, and uh, she's very helpful as far as. Uh, the experience she has with her job, but also in just spitballing ideas as to how we can fundraise, mm-hmm. some uh, maybe some ideas we haven't thought about. And so that's always a nice addition to have her at our meetings. Absolutely. And she has been extremely kind and helpful. So we appreciate that. So we've, we've kind of touched on the need for people to be uh, involved with the bridge itself and, uh, you know, what it means to the uh, community in general. Uh, where are you at with things? What are some of the things that you're looking at doing? I know that we've discussed getting out and raising awareness, uh, some of the places that you're going to be. Again, I think it's worth reminding people. So if they would like to learn a little bit more about it, I know they can go to, what is it, brumleybridge.com and pull up the website. But uh, you folks are going yeah. to make every attempt possible to get out and uh, and talk to the masses, whether it's Hot Summer Nights or some of the other events. And what are some of those other events that you're planning on doing to uh, make folks aware of what's going on? 
Uh, well, actually, we will be at the Dixon High School tomorrow. The DCA is putting on a car show and vendor event. And uh, so we'll be there from 10 to 5 tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of April, we are taking part in the Food Truck Festival that's being held in Osage Beach. So we're pretty excited about that. That's a two-day event, I do believe. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we'll do Hot Summer Nights. And we are continually adding events. We have people uh, messaging me as well as other people in the group through Facebook and letting us know about events they may be having if we would like to attend. And so that's helpful. So sometimes when you can't see the forest for the trees. So when, no, when somebody is saying, hey, we're having an event, such and such date, would you like to attend? That's always very helpful, too. That is probably the key to all of this is is getting folks on board. And the more people that you uh, get through to, maybe, uh, you know, you're going to hit that one person that's, uh, you know, somebody that can really help push this uh, push this through for you. And, and, and again, there there is another interesting question. We talked about some of the representatives on the county level, on the state level. Have you been able to reach uh, any of our representatives in Washington, D.C. and talk with them about it and, uh, and, and, and get their input or at least maybe help uh they can help you kind of get behind things a little bit and certainly uh you know maybe get a little bit uh, closer to making this dream a reality i well we have had don mayhu which is a representative for uh that area of miller county he came to a meeting back in october and uh there's a few of us that have kept in contact with him through email um and Lisa Thomas, she was there last night, and she discussed possibly us being able to, as a group, go to the Capitol. Um, we do have a really gorgeous quilt that has been made. It is very stunning, and uh, we may be able to display that at the Capitol. Uh, she is going to look into that for us, and we're very appreciative for that. That would be wonderful. Yes, Absolutely. Well, that and the fact that, you know, um, I know this uh, isn't the bridge on the historic registry now, either for the state or or on the national historic registry uh, as a uh, as a historic site to to visit. Uh, and, and if so, is there any uh, is there any help available uh, through that avenue? Uh, well, we are on the National Historical Registry. That was one of the first steps that the group took uh, when they formed the group. And uh, we have not found any available grants at this time uh-huh. from a historical standpoint. Right. Um, a lot of that is because that it is closed. Now, I do know that there will be a few available if we could just get the first phase taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then there would be group uh, grants available past that point. Well, there is uh, always hope. There's always hope, Marlena. And that's the main thing uh, that we want to uh, stress to people that, you know, there's a lot of different things that are going on in and around uh, the state of Missouri. And there's a lot of causes, obviously, and everyone feels as though their cause is important. But again, when we look at the, uh, uh, the, the, the bridge itself, get down to the brass tacks, if you will, uh, this is not just a historic landmark. This is, again, as, as we mentioned, something that uh, uh, you folks uh, know that people use, and it can save a lot of time in a lot of uh, situations. And again, 
you know, one of the big keys for me would be uh, the fact that, you know, if I needed somebody in a hurry, like uh, if my house was on fire or somebody needed medical assistance or, uh, you know, there was a, a situation where law enforcement needed to be involved, uh, I would sure as heck hope that that bridge was open in order for them to get to me uh, a little bit faster than uh, than how they have to do it now. Yes, yes, that is uh, that is a big issue, and of course, the people that live there—that is the number one thing that they bring up whenever we have new people attend the meetings. That's one of the things that they specify: like, why aren't Miller County officials or the state of Missouri paying more attention to? how much time it takes to get to somebody if they need an ambulance. At this time, the the response time is around 45 to 50 minutes. If they have, you know, they're not already in that area right. and they have to drive all the way around to bypass the bridge. So that, I mean, that is scary. If you've got somebody who's had a heart attack or a stroke, we all know that response time to that is what, uh, you know, allows for survival for that person. Yes, ma'am, 100%. Well, um, all I can say is uh, keep fighting the good fight, and, and hopefully at some point this thing is going to get on track and you folks will have the opportunity to really start uh, moving forward. And the big uh, the big push there is obviously going to be through donations, through grants, uh, and, and, and filling this huge financial void that uh, that you have going on right now and uh, with all the things that uh, you folks are trying to uh, pull together with uh, engineering and uh, of course just the general cost um, you, you just have to stay in the fight I'm, I'm sure every once in a while maybe it gets a little depressing or you feel a little defeated but it sounds to me like uh, you folks haven't uh, haven't given up on it, and that's the most important thing, and you just have to keep pushing forward. And I know we'll have you back in the month of April for another update, but I want to thank you uh, again so much for taking the time to join us this morning. And if folks are interested in finding out more, give us the complete rundown. If folks want to come to a meeting, if they want to uh, just check out what you're doing online, what are some of the ways they can uh, get involved with all of this? Yes, you can stay up to date. You can go to our website, uh, BrumleyBridge.com. You can also purchase merchandise there and check out our GoFundMe on the website. We do have a Facebook page. It is Save the Historical Brumley Swinging Bridge. Uh, We, of course, post updates as to the events we're going to be at, uh, our meeting times, and all information pertaining to the bridge on there as well. Uh, we do have merchandise available at Off the Hook in Osage Beach. It is booth 28. It is the Jane of All Trades booth. Mm-hmm. So you can go in there and purchase a T-shirt or a sweatshirt as well. Sounds great, Marlena. As always, we appreciate your time. And thank you so much for joining us here this morning. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep us informed. And uh, we'll uh, keep doing what we can do to uh, to get the word out. Yes, thank you very much, sir. We appreciate it. Absolutely. She called me sir. Apparently, she doesn't know me very well. That's Marlena Hatmaker. And again, BrumleyBridge.com is a great way for you to check it out, attend the meetings, do whatever you'd like to do, folks. But um, this is a piece of history and a piece of useful history. And we'd like to see this this whole situation move forward. Uh, We definitely would because there are a lot of things that... uh, 
that hinge on this bridge getting repaired and uh, being reopened. It uh, certainly makes all the difference in the world. It is 858. A couple of events I want to pass along before we uh, get up to the top of the hour with local news from Stacy Johnson and LakeExpo.com. And, of course, a check of sports. What an incredible ride. The Missouri Tigers have made it to the, uh, uh, what is it, uh, 32 <laughs> They beat Utah State. Uh, Chris will have more of that, uh, of course, as he helps us out and our media partners, our supporters there at Lake TV. Uh, Lake of the Ozarks Train Club will be at the Community Christian Church on North Business 5 in Camdenton from 9 a.m. until 3 p.m. on March the 25th. Free admission, working layouts, lots of vendors, fun for the family. Food and drink available at the show. If you'd like more information, contact Ed Bourne at 573-286-7295. Vendors are wanted, so if you are a vendor and you'd like to be at this particular event, again, call Ed, 573-286-7295, Lake of the Ozarks Train Club Train Show at the Community Christian Church on Saturday, March the 25th from 9 a.m. until 3 p.m. Also, uh, the CCAYEC Open House and Fundraising Event will be on March the 30th from 5 until 7 with a 6 o'clock presentation at the Exchange Venue in Camdenton. Appetizers and a cash bar will be provided. Hopefully you've heard by now that uh, plans are underway to bring back the Camden County Fairgrounds. They asked that you join them on Thursday, March the 30th, for their VIP event to learn more about this project and how it will grow our youth and agriculture opportunities for Camden County and neighboring communities. Again, this is uh, going to be huge at the uh, Exchange in Camdenton on Thursday, March the 30th from 5 until 7 with a 6 p.m. presentation. Hey, folks, stick around. He's uh, warming up in the uh, green room doing his uh, three push-ups and getting all prepared to bring us another great installment of his uh, blog, Among the Dogwoods. That's the one and only Dave Maupin, and he checks in after our update here on this beautiful Friday morning, the 17th of March. Happy St. Patrick's Day, and thanks for listening to The Daily Show. This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, March 17th. A fire seriously damaged a home Wednesday afternoon. Several local fire departments responded to a first alarm residential fire on Highway TT. Upon arrival, firefighters found heavy smoke and fire conditions coming from the home. Firefighters got the blaze under control, but the structure had heavy damage. No injuries were reported. A Ullman woman was seriously injured in a crash Tuesday on Route C. 59-year-old Mary Jensen was driving when the patrol says she made a U-turn. Jensen's vehicle was hit by a Jeep Wrangler driven by 54-year-old Vincent Groniger. The Jeep overturned and traveled off the right side of the road. A passenger, 52-year-old Janet Groniger, had serious injuries and was taken by MU Air to University Hospital in Columbia. Happy St. Patrick's Day, and if you want to celebrate the holiday with a parade, you're in luck. The annual Lake of the Ozarks St. Patrick's Day Parade is tomorrow at 1 in the afternoon on the historic Bagdell Dam Strip. Don't forget your green. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com.
Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. The big dance is off and running. College basketball's big NCAA tournament, Mizzou. They picked up their win in the first round yesterday to improve to 25 and 8 on the season. They beat Utah State 76-65. Tigers actually trailed in the second half, but they pulled away late. So Mizzou will take on big upset survivor Princeton in the second round on Saturday. The 15-seed Princeton team pulling off a huge upset, knocking off number two-seed Arizona in that south region. Another huge upset yesterday saw Furman hit a last-second shot to beat number four-seed Virginia. That's also in the south region. A couple of huge upsets, Princeton and Furman winning yesterday. Number one seeds Kansas, Houston, Alabama all won yesterday. Number one seed Purdue will play today. Houston, by the way, barely won last night and they've got some injury trouble so that number one seed might not last uh, for too long. Also Kansas coach Bill Self missed the Jayhawks first game. That was a win over Howard. Self experienced some chest pains and dizziness last week and was hospitalized. He's out of the hospital but not quite ready to join the team yet. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. High school baseball season starting this week. In fact today Camdenton will play their first game against El Monday, Osage will be at Iberia. Next Tuesday, Versailles will be home to California to start the season. High school basketball, classes 4, 5, and 6, playing their state Final Fours this weekend. Class 4 will play the Boys and Girls State Championship games today. Semifinals in Class 5 and 6. Classes 5 and 6 will play their championship games tomorrow. And spring training, of course, continuing for the Cards and the Royals this weekend. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows, including Weekend at the Lake. It's back to let you know what's happening around the lake on the weekends now. Check that out on Lake TV. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. A portion of the programming on Key Radio is brought to you by our media partners at Lake TV. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, Lake TV's got it all, including five local talk shows to keep you informed and entertained. You can also see local high school football in the fall and basketball in the winter. Watch Lake TV on Como Channel 90 or absolutely free on Roku or Amazon Fire and always streaming live at MyLakeTV.com. And if you haven't liked Lake TV on Facebook, be sure you do that too. Key Radio, K-E-Y-K, keeps you in the know. What better way to spend the day than the 39th Annual Lake of the Ozarks St. Patrick's Day Parade? Come to the historic Bagnell Dam Strip at Lake of the Ozarks Saturday, March 18th at 1 p.m. 
Grab the lawn chairs for an afternoon of family fun, watching the various floats, cars, motorcycles, and even boats as they make their trip along the Strip. That's the St. Patrick's Day Parade, March 18th at Bagnell Dam. Key Radio is a non-profit radio station that works with local residents in the Lake of the Ozarks community. Our goal is to provide a positive platform for content that addresses a variety of topics while also giving people the opportunity to find out more about what's going on in our own backyard. Key Radio uses donations to bring you all of the information. So if you like what you hear and you'd like to help us continue our mission, please reach out to us at keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio. Businesses, individuals, and content providers power the programming that you hear on Key Radio. To inquire about making your tax-deductible donation, go to keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio or call 573-280-0532. 573-280-0532. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. If you've got a topic you'd like to share with the community, contact us right here at 89.3, The Key. We're right back in your ears at 909 on The Daily Show on uh, St. Patty's Day. And I was actually looking uh, at one of my favorite uh, websites to look at, and it's provided by the History Channel. Uh, it's history.com, uh, and they uh, you can sign up for daily uh, bits of history, and they'll send you all the things that happen on a particular day. It was on this date, uh, March 17th, 461 A.D., that St. Patrick, Christian missionary bishop and uh, apostle of Ireland, dies in uh, Saul Downpatrick, Ireland. Today he is honored with the annual holiday of St. Patrick's Day. Much of what is known about uh, Patrick's legendary life comes from the Confessio, a book he wrote during his last years, born in Great Britain, probably in Scotland, to a well-to-do Christian family of Roman citizenship. Patrick was captured and enslaved at age 16 by Irish marauders. For the next six years, he worked as a herder in Ireland, turning to a deepening religious faith for comfort. Comfort, rather, following the counsel of a voice he heard in a dream one night, he escaped and found passage on a ship to Britain, where he eventually reunited with his family. Um, there's all kinds of history on this here, but, uh, of course, this is essentially what uh, is the basis for St. Patrick's Day. 
And I guess we all uh, don't really. I, I wonder how many people actually, you know, take some time to 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 look into the history of St. Patrick's Day or just say, "Wow, green beer!" Right? Where does the green beer figure in all this? <laughs> well, that and the fact that uh, we're talking about uh, things like uh, you know uh, Chicago, they turn the Chicago River green. Sure. That's uh, that's fun, and I think they do that up in New York as well, or in, in various places. And of course, everybody eats corned beef and cabbage. And I, I get the feeling this is a holiday that's a much bigger deal in the U.S. than it is in actual Ireland. Well, it kind of is. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Because when I was over, I went to I've been to Ireland twice, and I know when I was 17, I went over, and I and my aunt and I got talking to these people about it, and they're like, well, you know, you you people over in the United States, <laughs> anything to uh, have a drink, that's basically how you folks do it. But there is uh, some celebration that uh, takes place over in Ireland, and they, they get into the whole spirit of things, but it's more of a religious holiday than it is, you know, like we celebrate over here. Uh, yeah, I had a friend who was uh, from England, and he used to always complain. He's like, when I come to America, he goes, everyone's bragging that they're Irish. He goes, no one ever admits that they're English. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, this is true. it's not as popular an ethnicity to pick. They say uh, on St. Patrick's Day, everyone is Irish. Well, <clears throat> that's, I guess, all in who you ask, right? So uh, the question I have for you to get things started this morning as we uh, take a look at the weather forecast, is uh, how are your brackets holding up? Are, are you one of those guys that gets involved in the brackets and, and for, the, for the whole March Madness thing? I, I don't. I, I am a Duke basketball fan, so I am happy because Duke uh, did not do that well this year, but they actually managed to get into the tournament because they won the ACC tournament. Oh, nice. Upset. So they got that that basically automatic bid for so doing that. They're the champions of the ACC. And they've survived the first round. Uh, they beat the uh, ever-fierce Oral Roberts University. <laughs> Oral Roberts. So they knocked them off yesterday. So they, hey, I'm I'm happy. I've seen Duke come in ranked like number one and number two and lose in like the first round to like Lehigh or something right, like right. that. Right, right. I remember the year they beat, uh, or North Carolina beat them. That was back in like, like 90, I want to say 93, 94, 95, somewhere in there. And that's the only year I had ever gotten involved with the brackets. And, you know, we, we had a little poll, a little thing going at work. And I won it all that year. And that was uh, that was actually pretty cool. You're but, really going to bring up an example of UNC beating Duke because it's how we want to start the show off? Well. You're just really trying to get me on edge to begin with. <laughs> I mean, when I... When it I, happens. When I went to Duke, uh, I was there for four years. We went to four Final Fours. Uh -huh. I was there with uh, Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, you know that whole group. Danny, uh, yeah. So, bunch bunch of that those star players. Uh, they did four Final Fours, three fi final games, and uh, won two championships. When I was that's there, that's pretty amazing. That's yeah, uh, that's a powerhouse. Now, but back then it was different because Duke back then had a rule where um, they wouldn't put up a banner until all the players graduated. Mm -hmm. So they had never had anyone leave early before. This is ninety two is when I ninety two is when I graduated. So it was it's such a different environment now. Um, so back then, all, almost all players played four years. Right. They all graduated. And so I remember, because I remember we had one player that didn't graduate. They would not raise that Final Four banner until he came back the next year and finished up his degree. Nice. But then we had the one where we lost, I think we lost to Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And all of the players left for the pros that year. <laughs> it was like 1999 or 2000 or something like that. Right. And uh, that had never happened to do We had freshmen leave. Like played one season, then we're gone into the NBA, and now college basketball is just not the same anymore because the players can all leave. Yeah, I think that that's well. 
I mean, it's arguable that in the tournament, the teams that are maybe not the best but have the most three- or four-year uh, players do better in the tournament because they're more seasoned. Uh, like, look at Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Duke had Kyrie Irving one year. He was injured almost the entire season his freshman year. He played, like, four games in the playoffs in the in the tournament and then went pro. Yeah. The guy probably played, like, six games for Duke his entire career. The only other big thing I remember about uh, college basketball was the Fab Five for Michigan. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, what was it was in the tournament. Who was it that uh, did the, did something that, uh, I'm trying to remember. Duke Duke beat them one season, yeah, one year. Yeah. Um, and but that's what I'm talking about because these these teams were that we got to see the players play so often. I mean, there's players that I I grew up watching: Dennis Scott for Georgia Tech or John Crotty for Virginia. These guys played it for a long time, so you got to know the players, and they became more stuck in our memories. Now it's like, you know, Duke had a again freshman from last year that just went pro right away. So I don't even remember. It's hard to even keep track of who's playing on the team anymore. I got you. I got you. Sorry, I don't know. If I, I understand how that, that. Uh, how that all uh, how that all goes. And but so far so good. Duke is still in the tournament, so I'm happy about that. But well, I guess we'll uh, we'll find out more as uh, things progress. Uh, they're down to the 32 teams. It's amazing how this thing just goes from 64 to 32 to 16 to 8 to 4 to the final you know the final game and everything. And well, even some teams play more, right? Don't they have like a play-in round too? Like yes, the really uh, bad ones. And and that kind of stinks for the NIT. Southeast Missouri State was a matter of fact yep. in the play-in so, this year. So the NIT is the other tournament. It used to be that all the top 64 teams would go to the NCAA and then the other teams would go to the NIT. Mm. But that really isn't fair to the NIT if they're going to let additional teams play in because those would have traditionally been teams that would have gone to play in the NIT tournament. Now they're done. Yeah, so it's bad. Whatever. Oh, well, you know, we'll we'll, we'll get it all figured out eventually. Tigers won, so, you know, it's, I think this is the first time they've made it to the 32-team uh, 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 since, what, what what did he say, 2010? I was listening to the game for a little bit yesterday. I, I, I actually turned it on when they had about a minute or so left, minute 10, something like that, and they were leading 75 to 65 or something yeah, like Mizzou, that. Mizzou basketball's had some great games this year. 25 and 8 with, really the, with the win yesterday. Yep. So go, uh, go Mizzou, go Tigers. As long as somebody tanks out Kansas. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. 916 is our time. Let's talk a little bit about what's been going on. Uh, you uh, you were on assignment last week, there, and so uh, you probably got a, a little bit to talk about. Get us caught up. There's a lot. There's uh, I, I wrote up my write. I did my write up on the school board meeting for School of the Osage. Uh, I also went to a Village of Four Seasons meeting, which I want to talk about. And then there's been two Camden County Commission meetings. Um, one thing that happened in my neighborhood. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this. Was have you heard about this cannabis fest thing? Yeah, and so it was a big deal because Regalia apparently hosted the cannabis fest, Canafest. I forget what it's called. Right, right. And uh, my first clue that something was going on that was marijuana related was when we were driving. We live near the Regalia, so we're driving, and there's a bunch of traffic uh, on the other side of the road, and you could smell the marijuana with our windows shut rolled up <laughs> driving right. coming out of the cars that were driving to this event you could smell it so i was like oh wow something's going on and i told monica i said oh my god it's got to be marijuana related because i'm smelling all this marijuana yeah by like three hours later they were parked all along carroll all the parking was filled in the regalia it, people were just all walking it was like woodstock or something was going on and uh again there was a, there was a pungent smell throughout the area but it turns out like i guess they ran out of parking 
the event was apparently much bigger than they anticipated it being because e- even from what I heard, the people attending were kind of mad because, you know, it's just you don't want to go to a place where it's so crowded and the, the venue's not big enough for what they attracted. I don't know if they didn't know they were going to get this many people. I don't know what the problem was. I don't know if there's a venue big enough around the Lake Erie to hold an event like that. Yeah, I think Galia's... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Regalia's nice. That's a nice yeah. size hall. I mean, the problem's parking. <clears throat> Parking's their issue. Those used to be tennis courts down there, right? Yep. And then they, uh, you know, they had uh, some rough years, and these folks came in and bought it up. They had, uh, gosh, I've uh, emceed some boxing and MMA events in there over the years, and uh, yeah, now they've just turned it into a huge meeting hall. They, well, you were there the, when they had the expo right. back in uh, was it February? Well, I think the big problem was I heard they ran out of food. So I think if you're going to have a marijuana fest, I was just going to say. <laughs> they ran out of food. Yeah. And so that's a potentially explosive combination. Marijuana and the munchies. I mean, they're going to be mellow, but maybe not if they, they're really super hungry. There could be a problem. Management was asking people to put their lunches up. That's right. Yeah, so. Can, uh, can we order out for Domino's? <laughs> so, and, and so the, the other issue is, you know, there's a community that lives around there. Oh, sure. And so I always wonder, like, how they feel about all the events. Because no. Regalia has, like, an outside concert venue. Go down, the, go down the road to the end, close to the end, drive down Bittersweet, and follow that around and ask some of those people that live in that area about True. various events and how they feel about things there. I mean, but they have a full-blown concert stage. At Regalia, mm-hmm. you know, like right around the pool. Yeah, I mean that's got to be super loud. I don't know, maybe that's a certain group there likes it. I well, I think again that falls under the jurisdiction of you have to have uh, the event over by a certain time, right? Because what's funny is if you drive down Business Five, and you're coming say from the direction of the Ozarks Amphitheater into the city of Camdenton, there's a noise ordinance, little oh. noise ordinance sign. Yeah, I would guess that there were probably about at least 100 cars parked on Carroll gotcha. on the other side of the road. So it's just unusual. I didn't care because they didn't. They couldn't figure out that you had to actually get out. You could get off out on Susan. Uh-huh. So they would all just, they were lined up, probably 150 cars lined up on Carroll. And the anyone who lives there would just drive down Claire and go up Susan and get out on HH. But they, they couldn't figure that out. Chris Weber called timeout when they were out of timeouts. That's what I was trying oh, to yeah, remember, okay. the Fab Five. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anywho, let's, uh, let's proceed with... Uh, among the dogwoods. Yeah, let's see. Okay, um, let's see which one. I'll do. I'll do Kennedy County Commission first. All right. That one. That's usually, sadly, that's usually our least controversial. <laughs> one <that we> do. <laughs> things have, how things have changed. Uh, yeah. So March fourteenth meeting. Uh, there was an appointment to the senior board. Uh, oh, uh, Laura Burns. Uh, was in the meeting. She's, they're talking about doing a county fair for Camden County. Yes. Right. So, uh, I guess they had they had a property they've been looking at. They they needed uh, money. They first have to do a down payment on the property, and uh, you know they're looking to have like I'm sure she's has she come and talked to hear it all about it. Uh, we talked to Laura. It's been a while back, and I know that they were in the early stages, but they're actually having a uh, an event on Thursday, March the 30th. I mentioned it around the top of the hour, and they're going to expand on it. It's from 5 until 7 at the exchange in Camdenton, and the hope is to start generating some awareness and obviously some much-needed funds to get this whole thing rolling. Yeah, and so the you know it's going to be a big deal there. And she's looking to do stuff like have a full rodeo, like a, I didn't know Laura's much more familiar with this stuff than I am, but you know some rodeos just have some events, but a full rodeo traditionally has 
Uh, I, want, I think she said nine male events and three female events. And there's basically it's a standard, and that's you can't call yourself really a full rodeo unless you you have these events. And uh, so that's the plan is to have that kind of stuff, and uh, even tractor pulls or anything like that. They they're trying to build a nice facility that everyone will bring come. on the demolition derby, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to do that one. But yeah, they. Uh, so it's, it looks like it's really going to do pretty well. They're trying to raise some funds. There was a discussion at the commission of whether or not it was ARPA qualified, and uh, I definitely think it is because ARPA initially allowed you to do anything for um, outdoor recreation for underserved communities or communities that were impacted by COVID. And I think it's arguable that the rural communities of America were impacted by COVID because they have limited access to internet and yet schools were closed. And so here you have who else would have been more impacted by it than, than farmers and, and rural kids. Uh, the other thing is because Camden County did that short form on their ARPA money where they just said, yes, we lost money. Then any of their ARPA money can be used for what you considered governmental services, which includes educational services, which I think if you're talking FFA and stuff like that, I mean, that's all uh, stuff that they would be doing over at the at the, the fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. So I think all of that could qualify for educational purposes. It's a pretty broad definition. Then uh, while we were talking, I just Googled like Missouri and uh, uh, county fairs and ARPA and like almost like all these counties in Missouri are given uh, money to their fairs. I think I think Green County gave like five million dollars to their county fair. So hopefully the commission can find some ARPA money like that, because with a fairground, you're talking about something that's really going to have an immediate economic impact on the area. As far as I know, I think the only county that's still in the tri-county region that has um the county fair is Miller County. They do, right. I don't know about uh, Morgan County, but I do know that Miller County still has the Miller County Fairgrounds there in Eldon. And that's uh, that was always fun. That's where I experienced my first demolition derby. I mean, so you figure, okay, the bike trail is something that the commission's already given money to. Right. Okay, so a bike trail is like a recreational thing. And, uh, yes, there there is some potential there that people are going to come down here and bring their bikes and ride bikes. Mm-hmm. And then the idea is that, Theoretically, those people would rent hotel rooms out here, and uh, they would also buy food. Or, but the reality of it is, the people who are planning the bike trail, they like biking. Yeah. So they want to use the bike trail. Sure. I mean, if you could show me one person in that Magic Dragon Trail who does not bike, does not own a bicycle, and does not enjoy bicycling, I'll believe that it's generally just, you know, great for the county. But the truth is, they want a bike trail that they can ride around on. Right, right. And the idea is that it'll also attract other bikers. I get that. A fairground, if you build a fairground, that immediately is going to have an impact. There's no doubt that people are going to use it because you could immediately have big events there, you know, rent it out for things, you know. Uh, and there was a, a, multi, a multi-use venue. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, having sewing areas, heated areas where you can have people get together for quilting. It could basically become the equivalent of a, uh, a community center for mm-hmm. Camden County, which we don't have, even though Camdenton, I believe said they were going to build a community center um this could serve that purpose maybe for the county they got as far as plans for it right and and a tax yeah <laughs> they passed the tax for it also uh yeah so i think the fairground sounds like a pretty good idea so it, i don't see any downside and so for me i think it's a great idea i think people should check it out it would certainly make an impact uh and in, in you know it's a typical oh I, the bygone days of the j bar j Yep. Uh, rodeo and the, you know the the whole situation out there, and I mean that thing was huge. That was a 
major gathering place in the Midwest where they had people coming in from all over the country and around the world for this thing. And if you go to the Camden County Museum, you'll see some of the programs that they used to have. And they used to feature, you know, people, uh, the cast from Bonanza, the cast from the Beverly Hillbillies, the guy who played Daniel Boone. Right. And if you have a rodeo, you're going to attract people from all over the place to come down here, especially, or if even you're doing just uh, stuff with the animals, you know, the competitive animal showings and all that. A lot of people are going to drive out here to, to, to come do that. Well, and, and in in years past, and I don't know if it still has the same impact on the lake area or not, but you could always tell when the Missouri State Fair was going on because things around the lake in the month of August got a little light because right. a lot of people from the area and people that would you know possibly come to the lake, they gravitated towards the Missouri State Fairgrounds. And, and after living in Sedalia for a few years and seeing how that fair works, I mean cut it out and then of course back as far back i think it was it was at 1974 when they had a woodstock uh, they had a concert at the or concerts at the fair uh similar to woodstock you had that kind of a turnout you had people coming in from all over the country and again what a great venue you could have concerts you could have as you mentioned a community center there's so many the, the versatility of, of the whole thing and the potential to make money right is huge yeah and not to not to pick winners or losers on this uh but the bike trail people come down and use the bike trail there's not somebody there with a, at the gate charging them ten dollars to get on the trail and then they move along at the county fair you can charge people to go inside yeah immediately so it's immediately going to make revenue the first event you ever have there you know and the other people that are there like they're they're competing you're not paying them to come you know? paying a fee to yeah, compete. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you're really just making money hand over fist with everything that's coming in. And I think the fact that there's no other events out here that are uh, no other type of farming events that are comparable is a huge win because you're going to attract people from, like, at least all of central and southern Missouri is going right. to come because right. it's a big event. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's like – and also we're ag-ready. That was the whole push to be ag-ready. What could be more ag-ready than having a county fair, you know? So – that's another resource we could pull from. Go ahead. They were telling us all this great stuff about being ag ready from from Jeff City and everything. Let's see them put their their money where their mouth is and kind of help us get this thing started. Sure, absolutely. Well, there's a lot of big pluses for something like this, and uh, uh, let's see. I believe that Lonnie says I and Lonnie's absolutely correct. Uh, it was a J Bar H rodeo in the 1980s. And met Boss Hogg from the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, and that was a very successful uh, rodeo. And I think a lot of it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, for those of you who know about the J-Bar-H rodeo, basically they just bulldozed right over it when, uh, when it kind of, uh, I guess, outlived its usefulness. And if you go down, um, I think it's back behind, if you go down South Business 5, it's back there in that general area around uh, where the Camden County Library is there down south business five again correct me if i'm wrong folks but uh, there's a really nice i mean and if you want to see what could potentially happen and i mean there's really no uh, no limit to what they're able to do go down to the Camden county museum and check out the display for the j bar h so or, or come to the uh, fundraiser and hear all about it there you go Thursday, March the 30th, from 5 until 7 at the Exchange in Camdenton. One other uh, quick uh, follow-up note here before we go to the bottom of the hour break. Joe says, I live in Osage Vistas, and the Dope Fest was a nightmare. Residents actually threatened by visitors over parking spots. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Not all that mellow. I'm sure it was bad. So somebody comes to park on your property, and you tell them to move their vehicle because it's your property, and they say, you know, whatever they said. 
yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, hey, hey, man, I thought it was all supposed to be really mellow, dude. <laughs> that's right. It is nine thirty. We'll take our final break of the program, our bottom of the hour break, with uh, some news from our good friends at uh, LakeExpo.com. Stacy Johnson and company with the local news. Chris Schneider has a check of sports. We'll talk a little bit more about what's going on with the NCAA tournament and uh, some high school basketball action taking place this weekend around the state as well. We've got more, including more with Dave Maupin and. Uh, among the dogwoods. We'll touch on that when we return. It's the Daily Show on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, March 17th. A fire seriously damaged a home Wednesday afternoon. Several local fire departments responded to a first alarm residential fire on Highway TT. Upon arrival, firefighters found heavy smoke and fire conditions coming from the home. Firefighters got the blaze under control, but the structure had heavy damage. No injuries were reported. A Ullman woman was seriously injured in a crash Tuesday on Route C. 59-year-old Mary Jensen was driving when the patrol says she made a U-turn. Jensen's vehicle was hit by a Jeep Wrangler driven by 54-year-old Vincent Groniger. The Jeep overturned and traveled off the right side of the road. A passenger, 52-year-old Janet Groniger, had serious injuries and was taken by MU Air to University Hospital in Columbia. Happy St. Patrick's Day, and if you want to celebrate the holiday with a parade, you're in luck. The annual Lake of the Ozarks St. Patrick's Day Parade is tomorrow at 1 in the afternoon on the historic Bagdell Dam Strip. Don't forget your green. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. A portion of the programming on Key Radio is brought to you by Adair's Wildlife Removal Service, offering affordable solutions for all of your residential and commercial nuisance animal problems. Adair's keeps the wildlife where it belongs, in the wild. Serving Camden, Miller, and Morgan Counties. Online at adairs-animals.com or call 573-378-8739, 573-378-8739. with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. The big dance is off and running. College basketball's big NCAA tournament, Mizzou. They picked up their win in the first round yesterday to improve to 25-8 and eight on the season. They beat Utah State 76-65. Tigers actually trailed in the second half, but they pulled away late. So Mizzou will take on big upset survivor Princeton in the second round on Saturday. The 15-seed Princeton team pulling off a huge upset, knocking off number 2-seed Arizona in that south region. Another huge upset yesterday saw Furman hit a last-second shot to beat number 4-seed Virginia. That's also in the south region. A couple of huge upsets, Princeton and Furman winning yesterday. Number 1-seeds Kansas, Houston, Alabama all won yesterday. Number 1-seed Purdue will play today. Houston, by the way, barely won last night, and they've got some injury trouble, so 
that number one seed might not last uh, for too long. Also, Kansas coach Bill Self missed the Jayhawks' first game. That was a win over Howard. Self experienced some chest pains and dizziness last week and was hospitalized. He's out of the hospital, but not quite ready to join the team yet. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. High school baseball season starting this week. In fact, today, Camdenton will play their first game against Eldon. Monday, Osage will be at Iberia. Next Tuesday, Versailles will be home to California to start the season. High school basketball, classes 4, 5, and 6, playing their state final fours this weekend. Class 4 will play the boys and girls state championship games today. Semifinals in class 5 and 6. Classes 5 and 6 will play their championship games tomorrow. And spring training, of course, continuing for the Cards and the Royals this weekend. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows, including Weekend at the Lake. It's back to let you know what's happening around the lake on the weekends now. Check that out on Lake TV. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. We're introducing something new on Key Radio called Ozark's Voices. Express yourself anytime on the air without commitments or radio skills. Just email billm at orioncenter.org and I'll contact you about recording anything from five minutes to a half hour. We can record by phone or in my office or you can record it and send it to me. It can be a monologue or a conversation, whatever works best for you. Then I'll produce it as part of an Ozarks Voices show on Key Radio. Any topic is fine. Hobbies, comments about lake happenings, conspiracy theories, or say hi to Grandma. I'll make sure you sound great. Send a message to billm at orioncenter.org. That's B-I-L-L-M at O-R-I-O-N-C-E-N-T-E-R dot org. And be a part of Ozarks Voices. This is Bill Munhausen for Creation Expo. Creationists often point out the fallacies of evolution, but there also is a positive creation theory about biology and living things. The biblical view of life is that it was designed with purpose. God created kinds of living creatures and coded each genome to allow enough variation to ensure survival during environmental changes. Every kind of creature has existed from the beginning, consistent with what scientists observe in fossils from the Cambrian explosion. In accord with the Bible's claim of distinct kinds, we we expect to see living things easily classified, and they are. We expect to see similar body part features among different kinds. That similarity is not from evolutionary development, but is the result of a good engineer using features that work well for different applications. The genetic code is far more complex than any computer code designed by man. Even their ideas about junk DNA are being revised to admit functionality not previously understood. Life has been made with a purpose. These 60-second messages are based on the book... XPO by Bill Munhausen, available in Amazon Books. Key Radio wants to help our community by offering a platform for all groups and organizations to share their message. If you have a pre-recorded public service announcement talking about who you are and what you do, email it to kbsfree65 at gmail.com. Rotary clubs, veterans groups, animal shelters, fundraising organizations, and more are all welcome to send us their pre-recorded message. Key Radio reserves the right to deny or accept any PSAs received. Key Radio, K-E-Y-K, keeps you in the know. 
What better way to spend the day than the 39th annual Lake of the Ozarks St. Patrick's Day Parade? Come to the historic Bagnell Dam Strip at Lake of the Ozarks, Saturday, March 18th at 1 p.m. Grab the lawn chairs for an afternoon of family fun, watching the various floats, cars, motorcycles, and even boats as they make their trip along the Strip. That's the St. Patrick's Day Parade, March 18th at Bagnell Dam. Positive programming provided by you on the Lakes Community Radio Station, 89.3, The Key. Hey, it's 9.38. What are you up to this morning? Well, I hope you're tuning in, and I hope you tell uh, your friends and your neighbors and to get everybody together, we're going to have some uh, good programming coming up next week. Rick Bryant on the program. Also, it looks like uh, Brody Petska and his crew, hopefully Ashley Hayes, Jeff Renetti, just to name a few. Plus, uh, some of the folks that we love to talk to, including uh, Professor Jim Paisley. We'll have uh, Mindy Sales back on. Ike Skelton looks like he's going to be on with us next Friday. Bill Mulder will be on next Friday as well. And so we got a lot of good uh, good guests, a lot of great guests with a lot of great information coming up, some current stuff, and just letting you know how things are going in the community. And if you know of somebody that you'd like to have on the program, reach out to me. You can do that a variety of ways. Heck, the comments section on the uh, SRG Financial Advisors Key Radio in studio live cam that's a great way to get a hold of me if you're uh, on there now and checking us out you can do that and also uh, just email me k b s f r e e 65 at gmail.com kb's free 65 at gmail.com and uh, send me some suggestions we'll see if we uh, can't uh, nail some folks down for you i was talking to dan wash yesterday and of course dan is a regular guest on this program. We talk to Dan about uh, once a month or so. He's a Second Amendment advocate. And also, he has the Loaded Mic podcast, which we air here on Key Radio. He gave me the uh, contact information, and I'll have to find it here real quick. Gentleman's name is Chris Burgard, and Chris is the uh, director of the movie uh, Capital Punishment, which talks about uh, January 6th, twenty. 21, and we look to have uh, Chris on the program hopefully soon, also some other folks, but uh, Chris is rather unique. He has been banned from Facebook, Oh, <clears throat> he has been banned from YouTube, and I believe uh, Dan uh, Boss, his podcast, uh, Loaded Mike, has been uh, banned from Facebook based on the interview they did with Chris, but uh, we want to talk about January 6th because it's so very important that we don't let this uh, go by the wayside. Dave Moppin is here. We're going to jump back into the discussion among the dogwoods. We were talking a little bit about uh, some money uh, that is uh, hopefully going to be set aside for a, uh, a potential Camden County Fairground uh, opportunity. And they're having, again, the event on uh, Thursday, March the 30th at the Exchange in Camdenton from 5 until 7. So you might want to be there. They'll have a uh, cash bar, appetizers provided, and a presentation that starts at about 6 o'clock. And you were talking about how Laura Burns um, addressed the uh, the commission about that funding. And it looks like uh, it's going to go through, you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the commission agreed that they're going to write a letter of support. And I think they're going to talk about what kind of funding they can provide. Outstanding. Because uh, they already gave $150,000 to that. Bike trail, magic track and bike yeah, trail. So that'd be great. The you know, the only other thing of note in that meeting was Commissioner Williams came in probably about thirty minutes late for the meeting, uh, and you know it's Camden County because he he was late because there was a cow loose on the road and he had to help a farmer uh, 
rustle up the cow and get it back safely. So <laughs> it's either a dog running around underneath the table or commissioner has to help somebody round up a cow. <laughs> they broke free. But yeah, so that was that meeting. Uh, we had a March 16th commission meeting. Uh, one of the things that had come up, I guess they're finally looking to appoint a metal direct, a medical director for the health department. Right. So this had been a deal where uh, they re they replaced the head of the health department and then the person, I guess, if you're going to do any kind of medical procedures where you're going to break the flesh, like shots or draw, blood draws, mm -hmm. you uh, have to uh, have a doctor there uh, to sign off on those procedures. Not there, but at least sign off on it to, to make sure it's everything's happening in a proper manner. So when they lost the, the head of the health department, that person resigned mm -hmm. as the medical director. So it looks like they've lined up somebody who could potentially be a replacement for that doctor. Let me ask you a question. Was there any reason why this particular doctor resigned? Was uh, yeah. there an excuse given or no, I don't know. I don't, reason behind it? No idea. But then, uh, you know, I, I, I heard that people were telling from the health department were telling people that were calling when they canceled their appointments to call up Commissioner Gohag and, and that, like, basically he was the reason why. Oh. So it's kind of like we'll have to ask him again. A little bit of politics involved, I sure, suspect. Sure. Yeah, like hey, if you're sad, if you're mad that we can't draw your blood, uh, you need to call the commission and find out why. Wouldn't be any fun if he uh, just quit because uh, he was tired of doing it and uh, wanted to retire and move on. Yeah, right. So it's got to be a big political thing. So yeah. they tried to turn it into a big political football, but in the end, honesty will prevail. So I think uh, Commissioner Gohagen just explained to everybody what was going on when they there called. There you go. Uh, that's about it. Uh, Osage Beach came in. Uh, they had they had requested ARPA money previously from the commission, about one hundred one thousand dollars for uh, upgrading their GIS system and a lot of their technology for the police officers, like laptops and stuff like that. Uh, and so that that got approved unanimously, and uh, that was about it for that meeting. So that's the commission. Uh, the other thing is village. So I'd gone to the village of the four seasons meetings. Mm -hmm. I've been to a couple and I, I don't live in the village, but I, you know, sometimes they're interesting. There is a political divide currently. It looks like in the board of trustees for the village, you have the president and I believe it's the vice president. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there's th three other members. So there's kind of like two blocks where, uh, the, the president and the, the one guy are doing things and then not telling the other three about it. <laughs> And this, we saw this happen with the cart money, where it was decided to not give Horse, Horseshoe Bend Road District the uh, cart money that they were supposed to get from the county. Absolutely. Um, three of the members were not aware that they were withholding cart money. And so then there was a big meeting, and they decided, okay, we are going to give the Horseshoe Bend Road District the money. Well, this most recent meeting, there's something strange that happened with the village clerk, mm -hmm. where it appears that she turned in her keys to to the president of the the trustees, which you would think in most cases was you quitting your job. Like you're like, I'm done with this and here's my keys. And he didn't really get really specific about what she had said when he, she turned in her keys. Um, the, the other trustees, three trustees, this group of three out of the five weren't told that she had done this. And so then at some point it seems like the president of the board gave her her keys back again. And then a couple months later, the other trustees were talking and they found out that she had done this, that she had, in their opinion, effectively quit her job. Mm -hmm. In fact, she had emailed, like, I guess one of the trustees was talking to an inspector, and the inspector was like, oh, yeah, she quit. And he's like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, she sent me this email. So he had an email where she said, I quit. Wow. So it created a problem because the since the president had never told anyone else, he might have told his, his one guy that's kind of allied with him, mm -hmm. but since he didn't tell the rest of the board, they were unaware of this. And so... 
their opinion was if a person quits, like they quit, mm -hmm. you know, we don't just offer you your job back after you quit. And so there was a big dispute over whether or not she had actually quit. That was the disagreement. And in the end, they, uh, they basically voted and the, the board voted to accept her resignation, even though it sounded like she'd been working. This happened like back in December, I think. It sounded mm -hmm. like she'd been working for the next two or three months until the rest of the board realized that she'd, she'd kind of quit her position. Go ahead. i got to step out of the room for about 60 okay. seconds. I'm going to let you just uh, talk about the meeting. I'll be right sure. back. Sure. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it kind of created some confusion, and uh, I'm not quite sure what the resolution that is going to be ultimately. It sounded like she had an attorney, and so there's going to be a whole lawsuit involved. And uh, But in the end, now they, they had to appoint an interim uh, village clerk, and I guess that person had to sign off on something, and I guess maybe they're going to look for more people to try to fill that position so uh i've got to go over my notes i haven't written that one up but i'm probably going to write it up over the weekend so that should be a good one what else do i got here okay we've got february 21st board of education meeting so uh so this was the uh, school of the osage board of education and you know these meetings are not exactly my favorite meetings to go to um i wasn't really a big fan of going to school when I was a kid, so I'm not really a big fan of going to meetings that talk about how to run a school. Uh, so it's not the most exciting stuff for me to, 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 to sit and listen to. But uh, I am committed to like trying to get some uh, some visuals out as far as what's going on at the school, the Osage board meetings. Uh, the biggest problem is again, you know, they they aren't really doing a good job of uh, videoing the meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, they said they had they put up like the November and December meetings, but when I went actually went back and looked at the records of the school of the Osage board meetings, I noticed that on their the website they haven't posted any minutes or any video from any of the 2023 meetings that they've had. So I don't know what's going on with that. Um, it doesn't really look great as far as transparency. That they're it's almost like I don't know if they were up there before and then they took it down once they knew there was going to be an election coming up. I don't understand what's going on. So uh, don't want that up there. Right. <laughs> I might lose the election. <laughs> right. So I don't, I don't know what the deal is. Um, so generally, the way these meetings go is uh, there's six members currently. Um, five of them are from the initial group that I call the Panorama Seven, which are the the seven uh, board members who voted for the Panorama Survey to be used to survey our kids mm -hmm. and allowed the superintendent to sign off to have the data from those surveys. Uh, shared with third-party vendors to use which however they might want to use it um, and uh, the one that's new that was elected last year is Stacy Neal so what generally happens is Stacy Neal will ask a bunch of questions during the meeting and some of the members of the Panorama 7 get annoyed that she's asking questions uh, some of them don't say anything and just sit there the entire time and that's kind of the problem I think because uh, we're supposed to have we elect board members not to run the school, but we elect board members to act as kind of a check and balance for the power of the superintendent and the administration. And they're supposed to be asking questions. Why are we doing this? What is what is going on with this? You know, but it seems like Stacy's the only person who's really ever questioning a lot of the stuff that's going on, and not necessarily in a way where she thinks it's some evil plot. I mean, none of these people I think are bad people, but the bottom line is I think people should be actively questioning things and wanting to explain and, and they're happy to explain when Stacy asks a question they'll have the assistant director or executive director get up there and explain something about the issue and she's usually like okay that's fine like one of the things that came up that she had an issue with is um, I guess in the student handbook for AP classes for school of the Osage 
it said that the kids won't get the weighted credit. Normally, when you're in an AP class, you get weighted credit. So you get extra, like an extra whatever, 1.0 on your GPA or, mm -hmm. or something like that. But they say that you have to take the AP test to get that weighted credit. And the problem is the kids have to pay for the AP test. So she said, if you're going to make a request, Stacy's proposal was that if you're going to make it a requirement for their GPA to, to take the AP test, the school should pay for the AP test, shouldn't make the students pay for it. Makes sense. And, and she said, well, it is possible that if a family's in need or they can't afford the AP test, they can come to the school and say, hey, can I, the school might agree to pay for it for them. Like, why are we even making the parents do that? Just, yeah. just waive the fee. If you're going to make it some kind of requirement for the kids to do it, they shouldn't have to pay for the test. That's, that was her idea. That sounded pretty compelling to me. Unfortunately, they just tabled it. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Public comment. We had public comment. Um, and previously, just I'm, I'm, I'm going to mention the, the panorama thing one more time. Uh, it was basically November of 2021 when parents found out that the school had, had used panorama to survey the kids. And uh, maybe six or seven parents came to a school board meeting, and it was in a tiny little room. And... Uh, they just asked some questions when the school board found out about it afterwards there was like this big panic they got rid of panorama they completely dropped it and uh so then at the next meeting there was like a giant rally they had police there everything like they expected there was going to be some kind of uprising and really it was just the same five or six parents right. who had a question about it so it was a total overreaction by the school um but that that just kind of points out that like like at that time to even have public comment for a school board meeting you could only talk about stuff that was on the agenda and you had to sign into the meetings when you showed up since then they based on parents parental pressure they've had to change the public comment to where anyone can talk in public comment as long as uh, you're affiliated with the school district in some way you have a business in the district or you live in the district or if you have kids who go to the district or you're an alumnus but if you're not in those groups you aren't allowed to talk in public comment at a meeting and they give you three minutes um, but again, this is something that parents kind of pushed for. So uh, when people complain about parents resisting the school district or the Osage way or Osage traditions, yeah, one of those traditions was they didn't let you talk to the board about anything other than was on the agenda. So we got rid of that. Um, so there was some public comment at this meeting, that's why I bring it up, uh, about there have been some de depictions uh, of an old uh, drawing of a, an Indian warrior that was on the at the gym right. and had been painted over by the school. And so people were upset about that. So that's what some of the people were asking about in public comment. And one of the things was, one of the questions was somebody was asking, who was in charge of this? Like, how did it happen? Like, And, and so my issue, I'm not going to get into whether or not I think the the art was appropriate or not. I mean, that's all going to be up to individuals to decide however comfortable you feel with it or whatever. Um, but the bottom line is the school board should have been involved in that decision. It should not have been a decision that the superintendent made or, or whoever, the maintenance person who painted it, whoever did it. Uh, I think the school board should have at least had a chance to talk about it and then we couldn't at least find out where they stand on it because when they it was brought up at this meeting at public comment they just sat there and didn't say anything because they don't want to like step left or right they don't know which way they're supposed to go on it and uh that's part of the problem that's going on with the school board the school board just sits there and lets things happen in the school <clears throat> the one the one thing that kind of comes to mind, and I'm just putting this out there, and if anybody disputes this claim, feel free to give us a call this morning and tell us uh, what it is that's going on. 
But does it seem more or less like a kind of a rubber stamp type process? Right, exactly. I think also, too, um, I think Stacey Neal's pretty well prepared. It seems like when she comes to a meeting, she has gone over most of the material. So she's, you know, they have like a consent agenda in the beginning where there'll be like nine items. The advantage of a consent agenda for a meeting is you've already kind of decided on these uh nine items and they're considering those to be non-controversial so they think maybe with one vote they can just pass all nine rather than going through them step by step by step but stacy will always be like well i want to pull this out of the consent agenda and this one because i have questions and she's just always just asking and i think that's the way it should be i don't think the superintendent should be able to do whatever she wants without being questioned about what's going on that's uh that's an interesting uh interesting perspective and i wonder and that's why I'm jotting this down because we have the uh, <laughs> school board elections coming up on April 4th. It's a good question to ask the uh, the candidates how well they prepare for meetings. Right. And, yeah, so it, it's just, like I said, the issue is I, I think we want people that are just going to be inquisitive and be involved and not just sit back and let things happen, which is kind of how we got in this problem with Panorama in the first place. Uh it just completely went over their heads. They didn't even know anything about it. They didn't do any research on their own. And uh, I think it was uh, Derek Steen who said, we can't be expected to research everything to the nth degree. Mm. Well, maybe not to the nth degree, but the second degree or third degree might be good. Um, that's a good idea. That's a, that's, a, that's a good point. And another thing that came up was they have a medical clinic at School of the Osage. It's on campus. It's over by the field house at the high school. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's run by COMC. So uh, one of the people from COMC was there to talk about it. And it currently provides uh, medical services for students, teachers, staff. And so uh, Stacey Neal just asked, hey, is this zero cost for the school? So, yes, that was true. And then some of the school board members were asking, well, what about the parents of the students? And and I was like, well, everyone's like, what? And she's like, what what could the parents, could be expand services to where the parents of students would get medical services there mm-hmm. and now i'm starting to question like is that what the school district's supposed to be doing like are, and the basically the comc person was like well we're gonna have to we'd have to maybe renegotiate the deal if you want us to provide uh, medical care for parents also and i'm like time out like the school district is not supposed to be paying for medical care for parents like the parents should have their own medical care like i can understand why you would maybe have students that would need medical care they would go see the school nurse or the school clinic but now parents bringing in their kids would be able to go to the clinic and and also parents can't even get into the school campus like you know you you have the buzz and security and mm. now you're going to let parents go into the clinic I, was, I just didn't even understand how we would make that jump to to that point where like that somebody would think that was possibly a good idea that the school district's money would now be paying for for parents to get medical treatment very interesting yeah so but are, are you talking about like just randomly coming in off the street yeah i don't know would they have to come in with their kid and be like, my kid's sick, and I feel sick too. I don't know. I don't know how it would work. I, I have no idea. Because currently, what they would do is they would send them to the clinic at Osage Beach. Mm-hmm. They would say, "Well, no, if you're sick, you need to go over to your actual medical provider," which I think is how it's supposed to work, right? Normally, in America. Was there some confusion there as to uh, how that whole process works? Kind of sounds like there was. No, I think the I think they were interested in maybe expanding the services that we're offering. Huh. So. Which nobody seemed to, well, me, I'm pretty conservative. I was in the audience, and I thought that was outrageous, but I just sit there. Would and it write. be beneficial for, for maybe families who are low-income and don't have insurance? Or? Yeah, I think there's already uh, there's already systems set up to support those people. I don't know why the school district would be responsible Well, I know that it. there's the uh, 
clinic in Camdenton, right there off of 54, off of West 54, the Burnses. Yeah. Or the Martins, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of uh, options. Yeah. So, But I just don't think that's the business the school district should be in, providing free medical care or or cheap medical care. I mean, that's not really what the school's about. Hmm. This is where this is where we start to get into that school creep thing, right? Where now it's like, hey, we're shutting. Like it happened in California, where they were like, we're shutting down the schools for COVID. Okay, oh my gosh, we provide free breakfasts and lunches to all these kids. How are we going to do this? Oh, let's just make tons of breakfasts and lunches. We'll have them all line up, and then they'll drive. The, so I'm now I'm like, so now you've made the <laughs> now you're providing just food services for people. Again, that's not what a school district is supposed to do. Right, but see, we've kind of gotten ourselves into that mess because of the fact that you start providing food and then when uh, things happen uh, what do they do during spring break what do they do during summer vacation yeah we'll just keep providing them food because that's what schools are built to do hmm. feed feed people well maybe not necessarily people but students that would normally get the <laughs> yeah I disagree I would say I disagree I don't think that's a primary function of a school at all well I'm not agreeing or disagreeing I'm just <laughs> it does bring up an interesting point because then there's a lot of groups and organizations that donate to these buddy backpacks. And is that something that they continue to do? For example, spring break is just about over. And then uh, summer vacation is coming up here soon. Oh, yeah. I think if people want to donate, that's their business. Well, absolutely. But if you're talking about tax dollars, I right. think that's a different story. That is a different story entirely. Well, Dave, as always, thank you, sir, for your time. We appreciate it. What's on the agenda, did you say, the... Uh, uh, this for this weekend? As far as uh, what's left to, to butcher or the, the, the cows? Yeah, there's more stuff in there. There's more stuff in I'll there. I'll tell you, I got that beef tongue if you want it. I'd love it. You could corn it. You'd be surprised what you can do with a, <laughs> a, a beef tongue to make it tasty. Trust me, I know these things. Okay. Dave Moppin uh, in with uh, Among the Dogwoods. Real quick, how do you sign up for the blog? You go to amongthedogwoods.blog. Yep, and a homepage. At the bottom of the homepage, you can type in your email address and press subscribe. Outstanding. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Folks, have yourselves a great St. Patty's Day, a great St. Patty's Day weekend. We're back here Monday morning at 8 a.m. with more of The Daily Show on 89.3 KEYK.